You may be seated, church. Thank you, Alan, all those who have led us in our worship this morning. If you go back and look at our vision that we casted back in February for this church, one of the things that we noted on, under the part with Connect with God, and I want to remind you the last few months uh, as we went through our series out of Habakkuk on this idea of worshiping God and what that looks like, and now as we go through the disciplines, these are all teachings that fall under core value number one, which calls us to have that time in our walk, in our journey with God, where we are connecting with God. And so I want you to hear these words as a reminder on page five of our um, handout that we gave you, our booklet we gave you uh, on the vision. The individuals that make up Lamar Avenue family will be encouraged and expected to follow the way of Christ by committing to and practicing spiritual disciplines in our lives. Spiritual disciplines are nothing more than habits that are formed in order to purposefully connect with God. They are inspired by Christ himself and include study and meditation, solitude, fasting, prayer, and the like from Luke chapter 6, verse 40. These practices, and I want you to hear this, these practices allow us to interact with God, and when we interact with him, here's what's taking place. He is transforming us to be more like him. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 17 and 18. And these are lifelong practices, just as ours is a lifelong transformation into the likeness of Christ. And so this morning, as we continue our series on the spiritual disciplines, we come to one today that, and for the next few weeks, we're going to get very practical about what some of these disciplines are and what some of them look like in our life. Sam Wicks, I really appreciate your thoughts this morning leading us into uh, our thoughts with communion. And one of the things that Sam said is so true. We live in a world that's so busy. We live in a world that's so full of noise that it is more and more difficult for us to maintain and have that relationship with God. I love the works that Jill Murphy has done. She's written some very uh, fundamentally simple books about the harsh realities of family life. And even if you're not familiar with them, I love just the titles of them themselves because they strike a chord with where we are in our culture today. For example, one of those books is entitled Five Minutes of Peace. How many of you here this morning would love to have just five minutes of peace? All of you better raise your hand because you know you long for those five minutes in life, especially our mothers. Can I get an amen from our mothers this morning needing five minutes of peace? And it's about the difficulties that parents have of trying to get five minutes of peace and quiet. And so in the end, here's what she does in this work. She manages to get not five minutes but she gets three minutes and 45 seconds of peace and quiet before the whole family descends upon her once again. 
And so the second book is entitled A Quiet Night In, and it shows how uh, the family she calls Mr. and Mrs. Large. Not sure why she called them that, but that's what she called the family. They managed to program a quiet night uh, in to spend quality time with each other. And guess what? They're so exhausted by the week and all the pressures that's taking place. Guess what they end up doing when it's just the two of them together? They fall asleep. Okay? I mean, they're so exhausted, they're so tired. Do we feel like that in our lives today? Let's all nod yes. And because we find ourselves like that, it is more and more challenging. I don't want to say difficult, I want to say more and more challenging to maintain what that relationship with God, what He wants it to look like in our lives. And so as we strive to grow closer to Him, as we strive to have those moments where we are connecting with God the Father and His Son and His Spirit that lives within us. Church, here's the deal. It's not just going to happen, okay? It's not just going to take place. You have to carve out time in your life and in your journey with God to make sure that those moments are taking place. 1 Timothy chapter 4, remember what Paul says? You have to train yourself to be godly. And then over in Hebrews, I love how the Hebrew writer says it in his sermon in chapter 12, verse 11. He says, no discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. So it's not fun as we set out on that journey. It's hard. It's painful. And in our Christian life, we may be challenging all of us as a church to do some things in our daily walk with God that it's going to stretch us. Let me give you an example. This morning, the title of the sermon is this, Finding God in the Silence. Now, you're probably thinking, man, have you lost your mind? That's tough, isn't it? That is hard for me as your preacher, okay? Because I love to be out and about, okay? I love to be talking with people, and so it's a challenge for me to be still. You can ask anybody in my family. It is hard for me to just find that time to be still. Maybe I'm talking to some this morning that you can agree with that. It's hard for you to just find that time to be still and have that time to connect with God. I love what C.S. Lewis writes in his book, Mere Christianity. He says this, God has designed the human machine to run on himself. He himself is the fuel that our spirits were designed to burn or the food that our spirits were designed to feed on. Do you hear that? He goes on to say, there is no other. So I'm going to stop right here and I'm going to ask you this question. How are you doing right now in your spiritual journey? How are you doing in your walk with God in dwelling in the Word? How are you and God doing? How are you doing where you just find that time in a given week, in a given day, Will you have that time with just you and God? I would venture to say most of us in this room are probably struggling with that because we live such a busy life. 
we are probably struggling with finding that time, making that time to dwell in the Word. Church, let me tell you something. All these other disciplines are not going to help. They're not going to make any sense if you are not, first of all, dwelling in God's Word. Okay, C.S. Lewis goes on to say, this is what you feed upon. Because as you feed upon this, as you feed upon the Word, guess what? That's where our nourishment comes from. That's where our strength comes from to keep going as children of God. He says that's why it is just no good asking God to make us happy in our own way without bothering about religion. He goes on to say God cannot give us a happiness and peace apart from himself because it is not there. There is no such thing. If you long for happiness, if you long for a peace that surpasses all understanding in your walk with the king, the only way it's going to happen is that you are dwelling in the word of God. You're allowing his words to breathe life into you. You're allowing his teachings to not just come into our head, but as we've talked about, when that head knowledge is there, we want that knowledge to come straight to our heart. That's why when you look at the Gospels, a lot of the things that Jesus is talking about, a lot of the teachings that Jesus deals with, you know what it is? It's a heart matter. It's Jesus trying to get to the core of everything in life, trying to get you to figure out where are you in the walk with my Father. Remember last week we looked at Philip? Jesus walking along, Philip says, can you show us the Father? And Jesus says, all this time that you've been with me, and you're asking me to show you the way to the Father? Again, it doesn't really matter how long we've been walking with God. It can be a year, it can be 60 years. We talked about that last week. What matters is, however long it is that we are growing in our relationship with him so when i say the word discipline it's not a popular word but it's necessary if we want to live life and if we want to take our relationship with god to a higher and a deeper level now i want you to turn to matthew chapter 4 for a moment matthew chapter 4 very popular section of scripture in the Gospels, as we look in Matthew, as we look at the temptation of Jesus. And it's amazing to me, and I did this this week, as you read through the Gospels, how much Jesus went off by himself to be alone with just him and the Father. And at the moment people wanted him to be forced to be the king of Israel, you remember what he did? He withdrew. Because he said, that is not my mission. That is not the way that I'm coming to lay down a relationship with my people. And so instead of putting the microphones to the mouths of the people that he healed, you know what he told them? Don't tell anyone about what's happened. Here's the life that Jesus lived. Instead of living a life where he's seeking publicity, look at what he did. He sought What's the word? Solitude. Well, that's a real popular word today, isn't it? Okay, instead of making something out of himself, 
He humbled himself and became nothing. He humbled himself and became a servant. So instead of seeking the limelight, he had more opportunity in his walk with his father that he sought solitude. And so, and before he began his public ministry, remember he goes off into the desert by himself and he fasted and he prayed for 40 days. Now, we're going to get into fasting in a few weeks, okay? But I want you to look in Matthew chapter 4. I want to read this passage real quick, and I want you to listen to the life that Jesus is living here as he's being tempted. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted there by the devil. For 40 days and 40 nights, he fasted, and I love this next part. He became not just hungry, but very hungry. During that time, the devil came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. But Jesus told him, No, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone. Now let me ask a question right here. If you're going to quote Scripture back, then you've got to assume that you and everybody else as children of God are in the Word to begin with. Amen? The only way you can come back to somebody with Scripture, and I'm not saying come back to them to win an argument, okay? I'm not talking about that. But if you want to be living a life of dwelling in the Word of God, why wouldn't we want in a very humble way to talk to people from God's Word? And I'm not saying in a preachy way. I'm not saying that at all. But let's focus on God. And so that's what Jesus does he says, people don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Guess what? Satan's not through. Here comes a second time. Then the devil took him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point of the temple, and he said, if you're the son of God, just jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Boy, Satan can really, he can really say it, can he? And Jesus responded, okay? But the scriptures also say, you must not test the Lord your God. That's twice. Guess what? Satan's not through. Here comes the third time. The devil took him to the peak of a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. Or some of your translations might say it, all their splendor of glory. Verse 9, I will give it all to you, he said, if you kneel down and worship me. Boy, do we not hear those words from Satan every day? If you'll just do this and acknowledge me and worship me, then I'll make this promise to you. Okay? And then Jesus goes on to say, get out of here, Satan. For the scriptures say, you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. And the devil went away and the angels came and took care of Jesus. Church, you know what I think our problem is today? This phrase right here, as children of God, we don't say it near enough. Get out of here, Satan. Say that with me. Get out of here, Satan. Now, if it's good enough for Jesus to say those words, why do we think that it's not powerful enough for us to live that out in our life? The moment that you see Satan coming your way the moment that you see 
Satan trying to get his way with your life? What would be wrong? Pretty biblical. What would be wrong with us saying, maybe we need to say it like Molly Woodall would, in an out loud voice? Get out of here, Satan. Folks, let me tell you something. We live in a time today where we are struggling with spiritual warfare daily. Every second, every minute, every hour. Satan is well and alive. Satan loves to have his way with the church. He loves to have his way with you. And you know what we have to do as children of God? We've got to stand up in a voice of unison that says, Get out of here, Satan, because you're not welcome. You don't belong. When are we going to learn that? Folks, if it was good enough for Jesus to say, it needs to be good enough for us to live out and say in our walk as well. Get out of here, Satan. If you hear nothing else today, I want you to keep that phrase in your mind, and I want to tell you why. The way and the reason that it's so hard for us to have that time of silence and solitude with our Father in heaven is because Satan is having his way with you and I. Get out of here, Satan. And so, he goes on throughout the Gospels, and I want you to listen to these series of scriptures that I have searched I want you to listen to these beginning in Luke chapter 6. These are different moments in the life of Jesus where we see him retreating, where we see him going off by himself to be alone to pray. And so he chooses the 12 apostles in Luke chapter 6. And one day soon afterward, he went up on a mountain to pray, and he prayed to God all night. When's the last time you've done that? in your spiritual walk okay i'm sure not about to challenge you right now in this series to start by praying all night we need to work up to that but for me to tell a lot of us that when we're struggling to pray maybe five ten minutes let's start let's take some baby steps right but do you see where jesus wants us to grow to in our walk with him Those moments where maybe what we need to do is stay up all night to pray. And at daybreak, he called together all of his disciples, and he chose 12 of them to be apostles. What do you think he prayed about that night? Don't you think he focused solely and purposely trying to seek the will of the Father on what it's going to look like and what it's going to mean to name these 12 pretty important time in his life and so we go on in the gospels and we see this next scripture matthew chapter 14 he's feeding the five thousand. As soon as jesus heard the news he left in a boat to a remote area to be alone because the crowds heard where he was headed and followed on foot from many towns i would love to know what's going through his mind as he's getting word that they're leaving to come to come find him we go to another scripture in luke chapter 5 After the healing of a leper, we see this. Jesus withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Matthew 14, he went alone after he fed the 5,000. Matthew 17, before his transfiguration, he was in a state of solitude. And then in Matthew chapter 26, before his arrest and his trial and his crucifixion, he was alone in prayer. And I can't help, again, 
but I ask this question. If Jesus was in such need of solitude and prayer, why would we ever think that we do not need it in our own walk with him? If Jesus needed a time and a place for prayer, how much more do we need to be challenged to find that moment, find that time in a given week, find that place where it's you and it's God and you have that moment with him. Now, I know I'm speaking to some this morning. Man, you have this down. You could probably be speaking about this better than I could, okay? I want to tell you, if, if you're already doing this in your walk with God and it's working and it's not an example that I'm giving, by all means, hear this, keep doing what you're doing, okay we want to learn from you help us because we're on this journey together as we're trying to seek solitude and times with the lord so in thinking about the spiritual discipline of solitude and silence we want to ask this what are the benefits of solitude because here's reality some people get their energy from being around a lot of people with a lot of things going on and others get their energy from being by themselves and just chilling out okay but here's what I wonder in any one of those are you finding time within those to maybe separate yourselves from all those things that you may be doing during that time are you finding that time to replace it with something of a spiritual nature are you finding that time to replace it with those things that will help you grow in your relationship with God? So I want you to imagine with me for a moment. No TV, no radio, no Facebook, Sam, no Pinterest. <laughs> Sam, I cannot believe you confessed that this morning. I'm proud of you, brother. No Pinterest, no outside distractions. Stay with me. Whether that be for an hour or a day or, oh, some of you are really going to faint when I say this, maybe go a week without it. Now, some of you may say, now you're trying to talk about the teaching of fasting. Yep, kind of go hand in hand. We're going to get to that in a few weeks, okay? But here's my point. Why don't you try this this week, okay? Carve out that time in your week where there's no TV, there's no whatever I just named, and you replace that with a time with God. You replace that with feeding on his word. Some of you like to do this. Replace it with sticking a CD in and listening to the word of God, okay? Maybe you don't, if you don't want to read it, if you're in your car, your truck, whatever you drive, instead of having the radio on and singing along with all of that, man, I love to have that time where the radio's off and that's just time with me and God, okay? Stick a CD in with the reading of God's Word coming in to your heart and your mind. Instead of listening to music, maybe it's that. Now, can, can you listen to Christian music while you're having that time of Christian solitude? Sure you can. But what I'm challenging you with, carve out a time where you're replacing watching ESPN. Man, did you hear that? Todd's saying, that's not going to happen. Okay? That's tough. But instead of ESPN all week, 
the time that you would sit down and watch ESPN, feed on God's Word or talk to Him in prayer. Have that time of solitude and silence. Boy, that's really stretching it, isn't it, preacher? Okay? Where would we be in our walk with God if we really did that? If we really carved out a time where that is our purpose, you realize how good we would feel, how refreshed we would feel? Do you realize how more in touch with God we would actually be? I want to challenge you this week to think about that. Think about it and see if you can turn it in to some action because here's what happens solitude creates that inner peace and strength and the greatest benefit of solitude and silence is this you have a greater awareness of the presence of God in and around where you are okay because you've replaced it with just normal routine activity that we're used to in our life and so only in solitude are we prepared for the activity and stress that we face each day and here's what happens it's where we learn to lose all control you're giving up something and you're realizing that God is really the only one that needs to be in control of my life in the first place okay try that this week and so, in a nutshell, here's what you've got to do. Four things. You've got to plan. You've got to plan for it. You've got to push out all those distractions in order for it to take place. Because here's what happens. When we push out the distractions, here's what we're saying. We're pushing out what I want. We're pushing out what we want. We're pushing out our agenda, and we are replacing it with God. We're replacing it with what He wants us to feed on in the first place push on through those difficulties because here's what happens when a difficult moment comes the tendency we have is to retreat back to something that's out of our comfort zone because that's just kind of the way we live okay when that difficult time comes you get down on yourself because man i'm just i'm not doing this the way i want to keep on going don't quit again that's satan's voice trying to have his way and again, what are we trying to do in our own walk with him? We're trying to listen more to the voice of God. And the fourth one, we've got to be practical about it. Silence takes time getting used to. So don't expect to be able to become a hermit locked away in a cave without any practice. For some, five or ten minutes of this this week is going to be a real stretch. But think about this. It it's probably going to be five or ten minutes more than what you experienced last week. Okay? Don't say it can't happen. Again, that's what discipline is all about. And as the Hebrew writer says, at the time, it is painful. But later on, it produces a harvest of righteousness. That's God being in control of our lives. And so time of silence alone with God, here's what happens. It deepens our relationship with Him. It restores us, and it helps us to focus on what we really need to be focused on in the first place.
It can happen, can it, church? It really can. But we've got to practice it. We've got to work toward it in our walk with the King. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Father, we thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for your example that we find in Scripture to have those moments and those times in our life with you where we need to get alone. We need to get by ourselves, Father, and we need to spend that time with you. Father, thank you for your son. Thank you for the perfect example that he set for us. And help us to realize as we go through these disciplines and as we stretch ourselves, what's really taking place is you are shaping and molding us more into the people that you want us to be to begin with. Help us to realize that, Father. Thank you for being our Lord. Thank you for being our Master. And we trust you with everything. In the name of Jesus, we pray. And all of God's people said, Amen.